You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association. OEA Grow is by members for members. In season three, educators discuss safe, welcoming, and inclusive schools. Your host for season three is OEA member and school counselor, Leonie Bannister. Hello, OEA members. I'm Leonie Bannister, your host for season three of our OEA Grow podcast. In this season, we are learning about safe, welcoming, and inclusive schools. Today, we are joined by Kelsey Hibbard. Kelsey, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Kelsey Hibbert. I am the Dean of Students at Linus Pauling Middle School. Um, This is my fifth year as the Dean of Students, and this is my 15th year as a teacher. So I used to teach family and consumer science before this, and um, I've it's been a, especially the last few years, just been an interesting change in, in how things are going. So it's been fun, but it's been it's been a change. Right. I think all good. Yeah, exactly. I feel like so many of us are navigating those changes too. It's like, okay, things are different than they've ever looked before. So I appreciate your time today. I must say to the listeners also, I both Kelsey and I work in the Corvallis School District. So I've been able to see um, the work that Kelsey does at the middle school. And it's it's really impressive to watch what she does with some of our students. So thank you, Kelsey. And I appreciate you being here today. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your role as a dean of students and how you see that contributing to a safe, welcoming, and inclusive school. Um, So as the Dean of Students, um, my job is to kind of run our student center. So our student center is a place for students who can, um, who need to regulate and refocus and reset. Um, And then it also comes with some um, helping students feel like they have a place to report if there's anything unkind going on at school, there's any safety issues. And so my job as the Dean of Students is to make those places welcoming for any student to feel like they can have a place to come, come report, come make sure that I'm ready for class, come make sure that I um, have a place at our school. And so I feel like that is the main, the main thing that I do all day, every day is just trying to get kids to feel like they have a space to, to get their needs met. Um, Sometimes that is working with other people in school to like head to the counseling center, head to home court or different areas, or let, how can we talk to your teacher about this? But it's um, kind of the, the center point of it all. And then how can we get you to the different places that you need? Oh, that's so neat. So you mentioned kind of a theme of collaboration with other stakeholders within the school. Could you could you talk a little bit about what does that look like if, if the support room is the center, kind of like almost like the heart of the school? how does a student navigate those systems outside? And like, how is that a continuous process? How do we ensure that they're getting to the counseling center, getting to home court and getting what they need there? So uh, some of those places come from having, you know, an IEP or a 504, but some of those places need to be accessed by students who don't have like a formal thing in place. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, once we get connections for students with the adult that makes the most sense for them, Mm -hmm. um, those adults do a really good job of continuing to make sure that we're reaching out in the right ways and spaces for students. So for example, with the counseling center, 
you know, I'll help a student navigate a friendship issue. But then when a student starts bringing up things like, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm successful. I don't feel like I, I have any friends and it becomes more of um, maybe a confidence thing. Like then we're connecting with the school counselor instead of coming to the student center just so that they can get that conversation and the, and the, and the counselor can direct them in another direction if needed. Like, you know, we have our mental health therapist this year. We have our social worker this year. So the counselor even has like a crux of where like the next step might be for a student if they need more needs than what the uh, counselor can can give in that moment or in that with that student. So making sure that all of those adults and I and, and that we just collaborate so that students yeah. are really getting, you know, that like we all have our roles, but like how can we work together to make sure that our roles are intersecting and helping students the best they can? Yeah, totally. It makes me think like putting on a lens for perhaps a school in our state that doesn't have all of those providers. Um, you really, it resonated with me that you said like just knowing, not just, but knowing our roles, knowing what's in the building and how that can add value to students, right? And their ability to enter into our school like with who they are and how they show up. Um, so just being flexible. I mean, I know that our support, your support room at Linus Pauling has so many, like a variety of um, needs that they meet. So just that flexibility component. Would you, um, I, I've been asking about like, what do you think are the key ingredients to a safe school? So if you could like pinpoint maybe two or three components within your school or maybe within your program there that you feel like members of OEA could could kind of think about and, and try to replicate perhaps in their own classroom or support room or learning space? Um, well, I do think that the number one thing for a safe school is that every student has a place. That place for a lot of students is a classroom and a teacher, but for some students, that's not what it is. And so finding a place for all students to feel like they can get their needs met or at least just have a connecting adult and, a, and support. And even maybe it's not even connecting with an adult. Maybe it's having the opportunity to connect with other students in a place that's not in the classroom, in the cafeteria where there's, you know, a lot of other kids. Um, for example, you know, we have students who access the student center regularly because we check in. We have um, in the past, pre-COVID, not yet since COVID, but we've had like clubs for students. And yeah, there's an adult supervising it, but it's really a space for students to connect together and feel like they have a sense of belonging. So mm -hmm. I think each thing that we have in our school provides that in some way. And like I said, for a lot of students, it is a classroom is enough. That is enough for a lot of students and it's not enough for all students. So mm -hmm. providing mm -hmm. those places. And then I think the collaboration piece is key. Um, also making sure that all staff have an understanding of how they can work together to support students. There's no way, you know, one, one area of the school can do it all, especially in a school our size. We have almost 800 students. Mm -hmm. There's no way one, one room can do that. And so working together to like, who can meet these needs and how can we su like support students with the needs that we have? Um, I think that like, yeah, the collaboration and then finding a place for all students, no matter what that looks like. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. You mentioned like pre-pandemic and probably now that we're navigating, hopefully post-pandemic, um, 
Could you talk about, you, you've been there for five years, so you've seen what a support room looked like prior to what we've all navigated in the past few years. What are some changes that you've noticed and, and how has the support room and how can other educators, based on your experience, kind of um, adjust to those behavioral changes? Have you noticed anything that has worked particularly well or gotten positive feedback from students or families or teachers based on that, those changes? Um, so I think that, so we do a lot of trauma-informed practices. I have, even on my wall, I have my five reminders that I've shared with staff since before COVID, but I feel like they're just so much more needed right now. One of the main ones that I think we try and implement is connect before I correct. And so mm -hmm. anytime we have to work with a student who's having a hard day, like let's connect, like what's happening right now. And then let's talk about what needs to be different or how can we improve our behavior, for example. Um, and so I think that that is one of the things that I'm seeing that we need to do more of now. Like it's always been in the back, of, like in the forefront, really, of my mind. But since COVID, I've seen the need for it a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there's lots of things we had in place pre-COVID that were hard to put back in place this year because we we're focused so much on COVID regulations but we're also seeing the need for those things to be put back into place again. Um, like, but you know, we didn't have to do six feet apart, <laughs> not until like spring break or so. So like mm -hmm. we, it's, we have to get those things back going again, but we had to change so much so that we could focus on COVID regulations that some things just didn't get, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, but we, I definitely, Honestly, and some of so some of the things that I think we need to change, we didn't know we needed to change until this year. Like I have not seen like some of the highest needs for like mental health until this school year. It's presented itself in just a different way than I've been used to. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, the connection first is really important. And with us, we, it's not a classroom in here. Like we don't have our first day of school. We get to meet all our kids, you know. If they come as they come because it comes from teachers, it comes from uh, an immediate need because they're having a hard day. And so making sure that we remember to do that first is really yeah, important. No, that's so important. And I think um, I love that little statement you said, connect before correct. That's something we can all hold on to. And that might take a, a, a might be a quick connection with some students. And for others, I imagine that probably can take some time depending on the relationship you already have in, you know, invested in that student. So yep. I appreciate that tip. Um, you, you've mentioned kind of a change in behaviors. Like what are some challenges that you're facing right now? And is there, are there approaches that have seemed to kind of overcome some of those? You know, is there anything that's working just to kind of offer some ideas or advice to our members that are listening? Um, it depends on the kid. It, mm -hmm. So right now, one of the main things that we've not really dealt with, especially at a middle, uh, our middle school, is kids not going to class. Like mm -hmm. we have kids wandering, we've had kids leave school, and that's just not something we've dealt with before. Mm -hmm. Some of the students, it is a mental health concern. Um, but that's one of the main things that we're working through now. And I don't know that I have a great answer because you know, they're getting mental health support uh, through like their own therapist or our school therapist, but like those things take time to work. And so 
just giving the options, continuing to like know, let them know where you're here mm-hmm. and like have also continuing to have our expectations and boundaries. Like, but you still can't leave campus because we are concerned about your safety, for example. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I wouldn't say that I know what's working for that. But some of the things that are working a little better is our parent communication is up. Mm. Our um, like like at the end of the day, we send a lot of emails for a student for our tier two kids. Like mm-hmm. here's how their day went. We just want to give you like parents want a daily update, which is some of it is like, is it letting go because of, you know, in COVID they were home for two years or, or mm-hmm. so do they just need that extra is do they need some more accountability at home and at school? And so this is helpful for the student and the parent. Right. So um, I would say that is up, which is honestly, I think helpful in a middle school. Um, a lot of times I feel like we let kids like, you're in middle school now, you got this, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still a transition. It's still a big change, especially in our district from elementary to middle school. There's such a huge difference. Right. So adding, me, making yeah. sure, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking like it also, I, I keep filtering things through the the time that we spent at home online. It's like that developmental component of, you know, developing into a middle schooler with those academic behaviors and the study habits and the time management. Some of that we have to recover, you know, and so I, I think you're right with the parent communication. It's almost like it's an elementary process being implemented at the middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think that... Um... When we have, we have, you know, we have tier two things where we do communicate home. Some kids like need a reward for how things are going. Some kids need their parent to just know that they're knowing what's going on at school. And then we've had seen changes in behavior or that kind of thing. But it's, it's definitely more of a learning curve for students than it's ever been. And so Mm -hmm. supporting them in that learning curve has been. Mm-hmm. It's been just more than before, I think. Right. Yeah. I think you're not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. like most most listeners are probably like, oh, yeah, it's been more, right? And it, But it sounds like one thing you keep, what I'm hearing from you, though, is like you're reflecting on what's working and what's not working. And each student presents with a unique set of needs, you know, and a unique set of like strengths also. So playing on all of that. So it's great that the school has your role and your that support room there to provide that for kiddos and for support staff to have time to kind of, I mean, probably not enough, I know, but um, some time to at least kind of figure out a plan to make, ensure that a kid can be successful. Yeah. Yes. We try a lot of different ways. We, I have two staff that work in the student center also. And I mean, we're always talking about like, well, that didn't seem to work. So what's next? And What's another option? And we talked to the kids about it. Like, this didn't seem to work. What is helpful for you? You know, the CPS conversation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And when Kelsey's mentioning CPS, she's referring to collaborative problem solving, which also connects quite a bit with when you said connect before correct, right? It's creating that relationship and trying to understand the student's perspective before going into what it is the adult needs from the student. Like, you know, you can't be blanking in the hall or you can't be running from school or whatever before we take that corrective, you know, language to them. We need to ensure that they know we're on their side. Yeah, we're connecting exactly. with them. So we, I, I really appreciate your time today. Could you share maybe a celebration from the support room? Like something that you've noticed has 
added value to to your school and to the ability to kids to show up to a safe school? Um, so right before COVID, we changed the name of our room from the support room to the student mm-hmm. center. Ooh. Like the support room had, I don't know, a little bit of a negative connotation. There is still students who call it the support room because their older siblings maybe knew or whatever, but we called it the student center so that kids could hear that and think, you know, this is a place for students, um, making it a student first place. So when they come here, depending on their need, they have some options. Like, for example, I said that some students just need to reset and refocus. So we have coloring pages. We have connect the dots. We have just put your head down if you want and take a nap. We have some fidgets. We have um, a room that is separate if they need a quiet space to work. And that's just what they need because the classroom was too distracting. So um, giving kids the options, I think, is one of the most important things that the student center does. Like, how can we help you get to the point where you can feel successful today? Even if it's not our definition of success, like we want the student to feel like, here's my goal for today even if it's just what they can do for now. Uh, we'll build on that later. But we just giving the kids the options, I think, is one of our biggest successes mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it was viewed as a place to have an option before. There are still, like, you know, parameters and boundaries, like, but you only get five minutes or you only get 10 minutes depending on what's going on. But they still can do what they need to get set for their day or the next few, the rest of the period. Maybe we have to do it again next period, but it's Mm -hmm. still something so that they can try and be, get some success going for their day. That's, that's such a great space for students. And I'm corrected too, because I was calling it the support center. And I, I love that change. That's such a great shift. It's such a student first kind of perspective. I wonder for our classroom teachers, like this is a big ask, but what what do you think about creating a space in a classroom, whether that's elementary, middle, or high, that has some of those components? Could you see some of your programs kind of ideas transferred into the classroom? And, And could you maybe share a little bit about what you think that could look like? Yeah, I think that um, all of those things can be easily put into a classroom. The hardest part, I feel like as a teacher, because I was a teacher and I mm-hmm. and I get that, um, is the disruption. So when it affects other students' learning, mm-hmm. giving students the option first is always um, the what I think is important. And and the first line of like, can we improve this, especially mm-hmm. if it's disruption for other students. Um, but then that's when we, we typically get them. But I think that those are all options, especially with expectations set forth ahead of time. Like, okay, if you're having a hard day, here are the options I'm going to give you. And here's your space where you can do those options. Because a lot of times what we see is like staff are trying to give instructions to help other students. And it's just too much for a student to not have the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they need the break and the space. Mm-hmm. And so if they can... Some students can do that in the classroom without continuing to disrupt. Some students can't. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why they come to us typically. Yeah. is It's still. So I do think that that is an option. I think that you have to set the boundaries ahead of time, though, or the expectations. Like, 
here's your options. Here's where you get your options. And here's where you can be when I say something like, do you need to reset and have that, hum- that like, you kind of have to be a little bit independent about it. Mm-hmm. Or it kind of detracts from what the teacher needs in that moment. So Right. It sounds like just if if a teacher is going to try to attempt having a space, which many teachers do have like a calm down space, although now I'm double thinking that that language, for example, based on your student center perspective of having a student center. Um, but it makes me think that you'd have to be very clear with the expectations and that clarity needs to come from both the teacher and the student before we actually try to use a plan like that in the classroom. So as we kind of close out our conversation today, Kelsey, is there anything else you you feel like you'd like us to know about a safe school, like what you're implementing at Linus Pauling with the student center? So I think that the, the piece that I think is really important that we do in the student center is we offer space for students to collaborate with each other also. So we have things for, you know, teachers so that we can support teachers. That I think is probably our number two, our number two thing that we do. But like we also deal with so many peer to peer issues and they have an adult in here that they can hopefully trust eventually. And now we can have this conversation with this kid who seems to be bothering me all the time, but they feel like they have another adult who can support them through that. And I think that that is like a, Another piece of a safe school is that like, okay, we don't allow certain behaviors. Like you don't get to use certain words. You don't get to continue to bother someone because these adults are going to help me work through that with this other student. I also think like we have to give kids voice. And sometimes when we're like, okay, we're just going to tell that kid to stop. That's not what's helpful. It's more helpful for them to have the conversation. Like this is how it makes you feel. And it's not okay with me. Kids Mm -hmm. need that to have experience with having that voice too. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you, Kelsey. Like I've learned so much and I feel like our listeners really benefit from the information and the program you're implementing there at Linus Pauling. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.